Hey guys, Leah here with one small addendum to this episode. So when we recorded this on August 17th, 2021, there was no news about when ABBA was going to release these songs that they had been working on um, and left just indefinitely to hang into space. And then while we were editing this episode, they actually came out and announced that they were going to drop a new song for the first time since 1981 on September 2nd, 2021. If you're listening to this episode, this episode was released on September 3rd, 2021. Could not have planned that better if I tried, um, but wanted to make sure that we fixed the now inaccurate information that we didn't know about when this new music was going to be released. So yeah, go listen to it. I'm sure it's a bop. I'm recording this in the first, so I really don't know. Okay. I have been saving the dream. <laughs> oh, yeah. You told you didn't, but you did tell me about it on Saturday. Okay. So for those who don't know, which is pretty much everyone listening. <laughs> so for all of our listeners. <laughs> for all of our listeners, pull up, pull up a seat because we're going to get a little personal for a second. <laughs> um, so how much do I want to reveal? So I'm on a medication. Let's just say it there that you way. go. I'm on a medication. Everything's fine. It's just a management medication, but it causes me to have the most vivid dreams I have ever had in my entire life. And I'm already kind of a visual, vivid person in general. They're fucking wild dreams. Guys, (laughs) I was not prepared for how much my mind was like, all right, cool. Let's fuck you up. (laughs) (laughs) So here is the dream. It's it plays out like an epic, like a Hunger Games esque dream. Okay. And at first I'm in a bar just hanging out, but I'm not myself. I'm playing a character. Okay. I'm playing a character who's male. And the big explosion happens. The jelly bean empire takes over. The jelly bean empire? <laughs> yes. The are jelly they, bean empire. Are they like wearing jelly beans or are they like kind alive of. jelly beans? Kind of. So basically here's what happens. They're humans. And but there's, you know, there's a guy at the top. I never saw him. I just met Jelly Bean Hitler. Yes. And you know, like there's the uh, character in every movie who's the muscle. Yes. So this was a female muscle. Second in command, if you will. You're Gwendolyn Christie. The Gwendolyn Christie. Thank you. So they're humans and everyone has to make jelly beans and they have to eat jelly beans as their only sustenance. And they, everyone carries a bucket, tin bucket filled with jelly beans with a string tied to their wrist. Do you have any teeth left in this universe? I do. (laughs) I don't, I don't believe in the, I am a resistance fighter. In the jelly bean empire. Okay. So. You're eating vegetables. I don't know what I'm eating. I don't remember eating a damn thing in this. <laughs> in this thing. <laughs> jelly bean empire. But basically. This is this has Veggie Tales Nebuchadnezzar vibes of the bunny. <laughs> bro. You don't even know the line that was just about to come out of my mouth. If you do not comply. You get sent to the cheddar grave. Is what it was called. Not the furnace. Like. So imagine like Cheez-Its going through a furnace. That's what it's like. It was Cheez-Its going through a furnace. You get pushed into Where a Cheez-It. Where did Cheez-It come from? The fuck if I know. But you get pushed into a Cheez-It is and soil thrown like into people? the... Is Are the Cheez-Its people? I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Why don't they taste sweet? 
Now it doesn't make sense. <laughs> if they were only eating jelly beans, why does the cheese it's not taste like jelly beans? Why do they taste like cheese? But maybe in this universe, cheese it's taste like jelly beans. I don't know. No one explained it to me. I am just the actor portraying the role of the resistance fighter okay. in the jelly bean world. Okay. So I basically go to a library and I, and I read this book and I'm enlightened and I'm like, whoa, if I set this princess free, I can set the whole kingdom free. So I <laughs> run away with the muscle following me and trying to get to me. Okay. But I win. I get out of the city and I end up in the outskirts, the abandoned towns with the people hiding. Okay. And they give me some clothes and I'm on my way to find the princess. And then Josh wakes me up. Damn it, Josh. <laughs> he wakes me up to go to the fucking gym when I'm trying to figure out who is the princess. How can I free her? How do we overthrow the jelly bean empire? How do we overthrow the jelly bean empire? That was that was not what I was expecting, but these are the dreams I'm having. I'm here for it. I, I literally talked to my therapist about it. Like, cause I'm like, should I be having dreams like this? And she goes, I've never heard of it, but are they nightmares? I'm like, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm Bethann and I'm Leah. And this is the jelly bean empire sponsored podcast. Just kidding. This is she will rock you. Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, hold up, before I haunt you, let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She Will Rock You. Jelly Bean. Damn it, now we gotta make Jelly Bean merch. Ah, damn, we do, don't we? Uh, stay tuned. Don't go to the Cheddar Grave. <laughs> damn it. Do you want to read yeah. a review? Yeah, I guess. Uh, before I feel like oh, before you do that, I forgot to mention our last episode that I put on our first ever user chosen topic poll. You did on our social media. So if you voted in it, thank you. Um, this episode is not what was chosen in the poll because I was already almost done researching it when I ran the poll. So sorry. But next episode that we record next month. I will be doing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So for the first time ever, you're going to know what I'm doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. I only know because the people chose. So thank you, people. I will do one of those next year. Yes. So you will see my poll. If you all fucking choose the Wiggles. I'm putting the Wiggles back on there. Listen. Listen, folks. I don't want you to be the one to cover the Wiggles. I want to be the one to okay. cover the Wiggles. So, so so you can't give me the Wiggles. You can't give Beth Ann the Wiggles. We can't cover the Wiggles next year. I Too bad. Run, so sad. I will run the poll for you. Okay. We'll choose yeah, for please you. don't let me run the poll. Um, anyway, I'm going to scroll all the way to the bottom of the list. Kay. And I have landed on Chill Out and Rock Out by Jay Burke 89 UK. I wonder where he's located. I don't know. Um, UK. It says UK. That's why I said I don't know. <laughs> I really thought you didn't know. Well, I was confused for a second because usually I'm the one confused. I was not confused. I was just being sarcastic. <laughs> anyway, um, really great podcast. Um, chill vibes while speaking. I'm going to restart that because the whilst threw me off. Whilst. Whilst. 
a really great podcast, Chill Vibes, while speaking about some fantastic bands. The audio quality is good as well. I'm a Pantera fan, and I found enjoyable and informative. Looking forward to future apps. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you're new to this show, welcome. Yes. We don't always talk about dreams, but we do... Once in a blue moon, we do. Quite often go off on weird tangents. We do. So, welcome. Nothing like talking about rock music and then transitioning over to jelly beans. <laughs> Damn jelly bean empire. What do you think... What flavor jelly bean would Freddie Mercury be? Probably something flashy and bright red, like the candy apple flavor. Yeah. I was thinking Janice would be the cinnamon flavor what's his face from mamas and papas john would be the black licorice La- black licorice let's go right in the trash <laughs> isn't it ironic that someone in our life likes black licorice yes. jelly beans i used to give him all my black licorice <laughs> jelly beans let's see where that got me an omen. anyway um so today we're finally doing or i'm finally doing it what are you doing talking about abba the big Big guy in the sky. (laughs) Please leave that in. So ABBA is not what you would consider a rock band. So why am I talking about them? I'll allow it. First off, every song is a fucking bop. I don't care what you say. Very true. Every song, except we'll we'll get there. Uh, There is one that I was thoroughly confused by. Also, if you were a child of the 90s like me and Beth Ann, you were probably first introduced to this band when the 18s cover of Dancing Queen played on TV like yes. every hour yes. for no on reason. Disney Channel. <laughs> yes. On Disney Channel. I don't know why. It had nothing to do with Wasn't Disney. Wasn't it a roller skating? Yeah. It, it was like, a roller skating video, music video. They're like, it looks like they're outside like a Sonic or something. Yeah. It had nothing to do with Disney Channel. It wasn't in a movie at the time. I don't know why the hell they were on Disney Channel. Wow. I just went deep into my memory to pull that out. But I was obsessed. Also, one of my best friends, Danae, hey, Danae, hey. has been requesting this since literally day one. And she her has. birthday is in September. So this is my present to you. You can't see, but I'm doing like a little, yes. a little bow. It was very majestic. Also, uh, I just needed an excuse to relive my Mamma Mia movie soundtrack obsession from 2008. Mm-hmm. So thank you. And the final reason is... There's a lot of new followers and listeners from Sweden recently. So That's true. Thank you. This is also a thank you to you. So let, let us d- get into ABBA, which I'm going to say ABBA because I'm American and I'm from Virginia and that's just how we say it. <laughs> it's pronounced ABBA. But you, you say it that way. It's how I have said it my entire yes. life. Can't undo 28 years of ABBA in, in one night. So we start with Benny Anderson. He's born in December 1946 in Stockholm, Sweden, and he is a member of the Swedish pop rock group, the Hepstars, which is very similar to a band you just mentioned, the Mamas and Papas, and I made a face and I was like, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say it for this one. Weird. The Hepstars. It's also weird we're both covering like female and male singing groups. There's some similarities between the two. Huh. It's very weird. The whole time I felt very strange. Um, n- no trigger warnings in this one, though. Yeah. ABBA is a safe place. ABBA <laughs> is a safe place. <laughs> uh, so the Hep Stars were known as the Swedish Beatles. Interesting. In the music scene in Sweden, you had the Hep Stars, and that was it. There was nobody else. They were the top of the game. 
like you had your your small like pub bands basically but they were like the biggest name in sweden they however did not ever make it big outside of sweden Mm. which as we will see is a problem when you're from sweden benny he played the keyboard and he started writing songs for lots of bands his bands other bands um and they became major hits in sweden which will be a problem uh, so he meets this guy named Bjorn Ulveus. He's born in April 1945 in Gothenburg, Sweden. And Bjorn begins his music career at the age of 18. He's a singer. He plays guitar. And he's the front man for the Hootenanny Singers. The what? what? The Hootenanny Singers. Oh, I love that. They're a popular Swedish folk skiffle group. You all know I'm about my <laughs> skiffle groups. <laughs> I love the word skiffle so much. Me all hootenanny going back. The hootenanny singers. So Bjorn started writing English songs for his group. uh, And he even like branched into having a solo career, but it never took off. Um, And because the music scene in Sweden, as you can imagine, is not the biggest thing in the world. Sweden's like the size of one state here in the u.s mm-hmm. uh the hootenanny singers and the hep stars would cross paths while touring and they bumped into each other quite frequently and so they become friendly and in 1966 benny and bjorn decide let's let's try writing a song together like we're in similar circles this could work so their first attempt at a song together was called isn't isn't it easy to say which is not an easy title to say <laughs> i'm sure that um it works better in swedish uh and that song was recorded by the hep stars and released um not to spoil anything but the hep stars don't go very far (laughs) in the story um but through this process and at the time they get friendly with stig anderson who is the manager of the hootenanny singers and founder of the polar music label he is important because he saw this collab between Benny and Bjorn and was like, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You guys should write more songs. And so Benny wrote a song and submitted it. It's called, I think it's pronounced Hey Clown or I don't know. I don't hey speak clown. Swedish. H-E-J okay. Clown um, for the Melody Festival, which is the Melody Festival in 1969. And this festival is important because you know what's starting in the 60s? Eurovision. Yeah. You know how you get to represent Sweden in Eurovision? You win the Melody Festival. So this song, the clown song, ends up tying for first place. Mm -hmm. But because there's a tie, they end up casting a revote between those ties and Mm. Benny gets second. So he's sad. But while he's at the festival, he ends up meeting his soon-to-be wife, Singer Anna Fried Lingstad, Aww. who for most of the rest of this outline and in most of her life, she just went by Frida instead of Anna Fried. I don't blame her. Yeah. Um, so she was also participating in this contest. Also didn't win. So a month later, uh, Benny and Frida start dating. And the Hep Stars and the Hootenanny Singers, they break up. That's sad. We saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't going very far. And this is during the summer of 1969. And so Benny and Bjorn were like, we got nothing else to do. You want to write some more songs together? Might as well. So they wrote an album together 
under the name Benny and Bjorn called Leica, which means happiness in Sweden. All the songs were original. Both men sang on both songs. Um, and their partners, Anna Fried and Bjorn's girlfriend, which we'll meet in a second, were just, they were always there in the recording studio mm-hmm. as girlfriends do. And so they just put them on backing vocals. There is so many similarities between yes, it's very our weird. two outlines. You know, you are yours is the sun uh, horoscope, and mine is the moon yes, horoscope. We have not a happy ending, but a a pretty happy path. Yeah. Um. So let us touch base on the ladies in their lives. We already talked about Frida a little bit, but Frida was actually born November 1945 in Norway and moved to Sweden at a very very young age. She started singing at the age of 13 and uh, mainly specialized in dance bands and was highly trained in like jazz cabaret performance, mm-hmm. which makes sense when you look at Ava. Um, she met Benny when she kind of tried to start her own solo career and he produced her first number one single, My Own Town, the English translation, and all the f- the other three members of ABBA actually backed up her on her song, which was like her first number one hit single. Aww. Which is pretty cool. That's cool. So the fourth member that is in this band is Anjeta Faltskog. She's born April 5th, 1950 in... I'm, I can't pronounce that. She's born in Sweden. That works. And she sang with a local dance band. Um, and... She was really popular in Sweden. Like Sweden loved her even before Aww. she joined up with the ABBA group. Um, she's, I mean, they're all incredible singers. But around the time that she meets the other three, she was playing Mary Magdalene in the Swedish production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Nice. So they're all like talented, decently successful yeah. musicians in Sweden. It's almost like they're a super group in a way. Yes. Without being a super group because they weren't really famous before they yeah. found each other. They were only famous in Sweden. Um, and so she sang in a band. She sent a demo recording to a band that was headed up by a guy named Carl Lundqvist. Mm-hmm. And the song is called I Was So In Love. And Lundqvist like fell in love with Anyata's voice. Like convinced that she was going to be a star. He like got this tape in the mail, went through the pre-internet effort of finding her, locating her, paid for her to come to, to Stockholm to record two of her songs. And so at the age of 18, she had a number one record in Sweden with a song she wrote herself. Wow. And that it went on to sell 80,000 copies, which was like unheard Good of. Good for her, man. For A, a female singer, but a female singer in the 60s in Sweden. Yeah. Um, so we know that Benny and Bjorn came from successful bands. Anyata was like one of the most popular solo acts between 1968 and 1972. She had eight number ones wow. in Sweden. So yeah, they, I guess they are kind of a super group. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, she met Bjorn during May, 1969 when they were filming some kind of Swedish TV special. Yeah. They meet in May 1969. They get married in July 1971. Wow. So, I mean, it's not terribly fast, but still really fast. Yeah. So, everyone has met. They have all married. We're going to we're gonna start a band now. Kind of. Anyata and Born 
obviously we're always up in each other's recording sessions because they're married. They're both involved in music. And so Benny and uh, it's really confusing that they're both A's and B's, which is why they're called ABBA. We'll get there in a second. Oh. But it's hard to keep them straight. So if I st- stutter, it's because they're Benny Bjorn, Anyata, and Anna Fried. Benny and Anna Fried added up backing vocals to Anyata's third solo album. And so, like, they're just doing all these projects out of the place. Yeah. So how do we get them all together? Well, we take a vacation. That's how it's made. A couple's vacation. Where In April go? 1970, the two couples go on holiday together to the island of Cyprus. Nice. Which sounds magical. Yes. And they just start singing on the beach for fun one night. But they're so good and such, like, natural performers that they end up having this like crowd of UN soldiers who are stationed on the island just like watching them goof around on the beach. Wow. And so remember at this time, Benny and Bjorn are recording their first album Leica together. And Frida and Anyata are doing backing vocals. So then they got the idea of like, well, wait a minute. Maybe this could be more than just the girls on backing vocals. Mm-hmm. So they start an act called Festifolka. <laughs> Which translates from Swedish into English as party people. Party people. <laughs> but Festifolka. Also, festifolka. Um, but also engaged couples. It's like a triple meaning, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and it's kind of like a cabaret show. And it didn't do great at first. Uh, it got super negative reviews. Um, except when they performed their first song ever, All Four Together. It was called... Uh, hello old man is the english translation keep in mind up up until i i say so they're always performing in swedish yeah so in 1970 like released everything's in swedish both couples are now married and we run into an old friend stig anderson from earlier okay at this point he has founded and developed polar music which is the Columbia Records of Sweden, they're huge in Sweden. He gotcha. wants to break outside of Sweden. And he's like, Benny and Bjorn, you guys are my ticket to get out of here. <laughs> and so he offers Bjorn a job as a producer and a writer. And Bjorn was like, yes, can I bring Benny? And Stig was like, I only have money to pay one person. And he goes, we will split the salary. And they did. Good for them. So he got two people for the price of one. It's so a good deal. Genius businessman. Um, from what I get from watching these interviews with Stig's daughter, the band does not do interviews. Let me just tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. They live under a rock now. You cannot contact them. But so the interviews are all people around them. Um, I think I would have liked to work under Stig because he was kind of a hard ass, mm-hmm. but he pushed them creatively and he knew what they were capable of, so he never, like, pushed them too hard. Yeah. Um, and he, obviously, they, they flourished under his leadership, so we like Stig. So he starts thinking about how um, he wanted Sweden to enter into Eurovision. And he said, Benny and Bjorn, let's go to, Mel- to Melody Festival again. Write a song for it. And um, they get rejected twice. What? In 1971, they enter a song called Say It With a Song, which came in third place. 
But it got Benny and Bjorn a lot of popularity within Sweden. Like, don't they realize that they are ABBA? They're that not ABBA Meryl yet. Meryl Streep would one day sing their songs. They're not ABBA yet. We're getting there. Um, And so they, like, work on recording some stuff. They're just kind of, like, I don't want to say floundering around, but they're kind of floundering around. Yeah. They're trying to get their feet under them. But in 1973, Stig says... Fuck it. We're going to Melody Festival again. You can do this. But one condition. You're going to sing your song in English this time. Yeah. So they sing the song Ring Ring. All four of them in English. And they came in third. (laughs) Man. But don't worry. They do get a redemption moment. Um, But this leads them to release their debut studio album. Also called Ring Ring. The album is entirely in English. Which was kind of unheard of for a Swedish band at that point Uh, they released the single Ring Ring which did pretty well in Europe and South Africa Um, but Stig is Stig is a smart man and he knows this band is not going anywhere Mm -hmm. out of Sweden until they get a hit in the UK or the US right which as we know that is the ticket to success unfortunately it is true so up until now they've been performing under the name Bjorn and Benny, Agneta and Annafried. Well, there's your problem, which is a lot. Yeah. And Stig gets really really tired of writing this on paperwork. So he starts abbreviating it as their initials. A B B A. That's great. Unfortunately, ABBA is also the name of a well-known fish canning company in Sweden. Well, no one gives a shit about them. So they had to Literally come to negotiations with the fish cannery <laughs> to, to convince them that A, the name would work in international markets because no one knows ABBA as the fish company <laughs> outside of Sweden. But also they had to negotiate the rights to use the name. That's incredible. And the factory basically said, okay, as long as you don't make us feel ashamed for what you're doing. <laughs> ah! Dude, imagine just negotiating with a fish company for your name. That was some lawyer's job. Like, usually, he he got paid a lot of money for that, too. Like, usually it's like another artist has taken your name. Fish cannery. That's incredible. Um, So, by this time, it's like, it's 1973. And they're they're on the rise success, but they're not quite there yet. Yeah. They're stuck in Sweden. Why don't they just take Sweden and push it somewhere else? (laughs) They'll still be in Sweden. (laughs) And so Stig has this dream. He wants to sell this Swedish music outside of Sweden. Mm -hmm. And no one's ever done that. So they have a name. They have several failed attempts at the Melody Festival. Yeah. So what do they do again? Try again at the 1974 Melody Festival. Because they know this is their ticket. Um, and so I think part of their issue was the world had to catch up with ABBA. Because they're very disco-esque. Oh, they're, this point... Disco Carpenters-esque. In 1974, glam rock starts to become really big in England. So we're there. We're yeah. there. They enter Waterloo into the Melody Festival. They not only win the Melody Festival... They go on to win Eurovision 1974 unanimously. That's just a damn good song. Capturing the hearts of thousands across Europe. Um, Interesting points. Up until this point, Eurovision was mostly ballads. Mm -hmm. So it's like 
dude with a guitar singing a traditional folk song of yeah. his land. And then here comes Abba with this pop song in their glittery spandex outfits. Uh, and they really, they stood out. They made an impression. Yeah. Also, the guitar that, I don't know if it's Benny or Bjorn, plays during this is the coolest guitar I've ever seen in my life. I will find a photo. We will post it. Um, and here, after they win the festival, win uh, Eurovision, Stig is a genius because he signs them to multiple labels in multiple countries because he wants to work with the best. That's smart. He said in this in this interview, or his daughter said in the interview, she didn't. They didn't just want like to sign a Sony record because Sony mm-hmm. may be good in Italy, but they may suck in the UK. So he like put in the effort to make sure that each country got the best wow. deal. Wow. So uh, if anyone's wondering, they went with Atlantic in the U.S., which is interesting because at the time they were an R&B label. Hmm. Um, To give you some idea of the contemporaries that ABBA had on the label, Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles were signed to this this label. But the um, A&D guy that they interviewed, he said that he just he knew a hit when he had it Mm -hmm. and he felt something special about ABBA. And so he convinced the label to sign him. Uh, so Waterloo was ABBA's first major hit in numerous countries, like the whole world. And it became the number one single in nine Western and Northern European countries. It also hit the big markets of UK and West Germany, wow. which we know is important to make it. You got to hit UK. And it also made the top 10 in lots of other countries, including Spain, Australia and France and number seven in Canada. In the U.S., it made it all the way to number six. Good for them. Which is crazy. Um, so, uh, I lost my spot. But the album, Waterloo as a whole, only peaked at number 145 in the U.S. on the top 200 um, because no one really knew what to do with it. The Los Angeles Times yeah. called it a compelling and fascinating debut album that captures the spirit of mainstream pop quite effectively an immensely enjoyable and pleasant project. Um, but they, they didn't, commercial sales just didn't, didn't do it for it, which as we will see, and as we see in most European bands, the U S does not know a good thing when we have it. Correct. So they just won the biggest, this biggest, uh, thing in Europe and they're just kind of playing it cool. Like Bjorn and Benny are back to working with the Hootenanny singers. They've kind of reunited, um, Frida and Anyata are working on their own solo albums and they just don't know what is about to happen to them. But why do I want now ABBA with the Hootenannies? Like, like that would be the title. ABBA with the Hootenannies. It like could, it could like Paul McCartney with the Eagles or something like yeah. that. Or the Wings, sorry. Yeah, and the Wings. Um, so they follow up Waterloo with Honey Honey in the U.S. Honey uh-huh. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> That's Mamma Mia. Um, which that peaks at 27, but for some in the U.S., but for some reason their U.K. label, because remember, mm-hmm. different labels in different countries, decides to release a remix of Ring Ring instead, okay. which does not do well in the t- in the U.K. at all. And so rumors start to spread in Europe that ABBA is just a one-hit wonder and they're never going to make a good no. album. Um, the U.S. label, meanwhile, is like, hey, you guys are still really new. The only way to make it over here is to tour. Come do a tour. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard for them to do a tour because they're not a rock band. You can't just slap a four-piece outfit on a stage and call it a day. Like, 
their sets are like these elaborate stage sets sets basically it's like setting up a theater production yeah um and they're like eh, we don't really want to tour we just want to make more albums and they they said they already knew what fame was from eurovision and they didn't want more of it so wow they weren't ooh. gonna tour <laughs> ooh that 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 is some guts to say that they told the u.s agent that and they did the u.s guy did not like it oh i'm sure he was perplexed so in 1974 they released their self-titled third studio album called abba the single off of this album is sos which skyrockets them back up into the charts in the uk and all across europe and they follow up that single with Mamma Mia, ah, which hits multiple number ones all over the world. Um, so like I said, they didn't want to tour. Yeah. So they started this new thing called music videos as a way to get their faces out there. Interesting. They were one of the pioneers. Along with uh, Queen. Yes. Uh, but Queen just kind of like the, bo- the, the Bohemian Rhapsody video is cool. But it's not like a cinematic masterpiece. Yeah. ABBA made cinematic masterpieces of the time. They're yeah. very, very 70s cinematography. They're kind of trippy. Um, they actually called them music movies and not music videos when they released them. And all of them, all of ABBA's are directed by Lars uh, Lasse Hallstrom, uh, who is a genius. And he's in this documentary I watched. And he's like the coolest dude ever. Um, he's so proud of his work. It's the cutest thing. The Aww. man's like 75 in this interview and he, you could tell that like the highlight of his life yeah. was making these ABBA oh, videos. I love that. I love when people are proud of what they do. So these videos are popular in Europe. The U S probably didn't give a shit about them cause we're boring. Um, but these videos make them explode in Australia. Like picture peak 2011 one direction. Yeah. That's ABBA in Australia. They knew what they were doing. So we'll, we'll the talk. The U.S. was just upset they didn't want to work to the bone. Yes. How dare they not tour? Yeah. How, how dare they take a break? But we'll talk about Australia again in a minute. So in March 1976, they released their compilation called Greatest Hits. After only three albums. I don't really understand, but you know, whatever. It became their first UK number one album so like someone knew what they were doing yeah um and they also knew what they were doing because back then it was a trick ish of the record label to when you compile the greatest hits you put the greatest hits on there but you also throw a new single on there Mm -hmm. to can like to give people an incentive to buy your new album um and the single that they put on this greatest hits album is fernando which Nando goes on to be number one in 13 countries simultaneously. Fun fact, this song was actually written for Frida's solo album in Swedish, um, but something told them to not put it on her album, mm-hmm. rewrite English lyrics, put it out as ABBA, and it became one of their biggest hits ever. I love that. In Australia, because the Australians love ABBA, Fernando occupied the top position at number one for 14 weeks. Wow. Holy shit. And then that's like, what, four and a half months? Uh, and then stayed in the chart for another 40 weeks. That's crazy. It was the longest running chart topper in Australia for over 40 years until Ed Sheeran stole the record with Shape of You in 2017. What? So it had not been broken? No. <laughs> 
That's insane. Not until not until Ed. They really love their Abba. Then they really do. Like you don't understand what we're gonna get to in a minute. Uh, meanwhile, the United States just vibing. We're the John Deacon of this story. No, we're not even the John Deacon. We're just like looking the other way. Um, They didn't come tour here. The U.S. is really hard to break into if you're not touring. Um, But they wouldn't. They eventually changed their minds from we don't want to tour to we'll tour when we get a platinum album in the U.S. That'll Mm -hmm. be the thing that gets us to tour. But in the U.S., you can't get a platinum album without touring. So they just kind of like forgot about us and said, <laughs> nah, and just focus on the well, rest of the world. You know, there are other countries besides the United States. Yeah. I mean, good for them for not putting all their eggs in one basket. Yeah, absolutely. They released their fourth album, Arrival, in 1976. And this one has like hit this. This album alone could be a greatest hits album. The singles they release off of this, you start with Money Money. Love that song. Then they released Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh-huh. And then, oh, sorry, no. Those are the second and third. The first single to even drop off this album is Dancing Queen. Holy shit. Which not only tops the markets in the UK, Germany, Sweden, and like other smaller European countries and Australia, but it hits number one in the US. Ooh, that's good. Which you know is a big deal because disco is hot in 1976 over yeah. here. Also, Canada, the Soviet Union, Japan, France, Spain, and Italy. There, I, I don't like. I can't comprehend. That's insane. Like to think that. Well, I guess it makes sense because we got a musical out of the deal. But like, ABBA is like this huge, huge band. They were massively huge. Like it just feels like in theater because we both grew up in theater. Yeah, yeah ABBA, Mamma Mia. But I didn't know they were this big. That's because they weren't here. It was only in the U.S. or in the U.K. and like in the rest of Europe. Yeah, here they're just like. Queen, I don't even know what we were obsessing over at that point. Probably Tom Petty. Yeah. We'll talk about him next time. Up until now, they really have not toured the U.S. or otherwise. It's now 1977. They've been at this for like three years since, since Eurovision. Um, they maybe waited a little too long to tour because by this point they were superstars and could not go literally anywhere yeah. without being recognized, which adds some kinks into your tour. So they start the tour in Oslo, in Norway, which is neighboring Sweden. They go through Europe. They make a stop in the UK, in, you know, Manchester, Birmingham, Glasgow. Mm-hmm. They do two sold-out nights at the Royal Albert Hall, which I know I bitch about Ticketmaster, but I cannot imagine buying <laughs> tickets back in 1977. Because you know how you got tickets to Royal Albert Hall that for those two shows did you wait in line no you had to mail in an application which i don't understand well you have to like what state your case i guess why you need tickets you have to mail it just says you have to mail in an application the box office received three and a half million requests for tickets holy shit which could fill the venue 580 times so how do you how do you, it has to be a random pick at that point. i guess i don't know how the fuck they even go through three hundred three and a half million requests for tickets yeah i don't understand i know i know Ticketmaster sucks but that's, that's a better system than that yeah at 100%. least Ticketmaster just crashes Could you imagine having to explain why you need tickets from Ticketmaster? <laughs> they'd be like nah fuck you and move <laughs> on fuck off Ticketmaster <laughs> does not give a shit oh <laughs> So after they wrap up in Europe, which, I mean, was a pretty good tour in itself, 
they do a leg of a leg in Australia. And this Australia tour is important for like several reasons. Yeah. The first being that they filmed several of these shows to make a it's labeled as a documentary. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go full on and call it mockumentary, but it's not a documentary because it's like a dramatization of this journalist. I've only gotten to watch the first 10 minutes because it's really hard to find online and I only found one 10 minute clip. But it's this journalist who is British and is sent to Australia to cover the, uh, I think he's British, he's sent to Australia to cover the like ABBA coming and touring. Yeah. And it's like, you know, dramatic shot of him trying to get in the venue but they won't security won't let him in and he needs to interview the band and like but it's also actual footage of them coming off the plane i need to see the whole thing it's almost like this is final tap but like a couple steps lower yeah it's not as like insane it's not a full mockumentary but it's yeah i didn't like it i can see why it's kind of hard to find some places because i don't think the band liked it either um all that to say it was a chaotic in endeavor because they're trying to film the touring Australia's obsessed with ABBA like they were so big in, in Australia that they were bigger than the Beatles wow they had at the time the biggest tour Australia had ever seen this was in 1975 they did 11 concerts in 10 days for over 140,000 people fans were so crazy that in the documentary I watched, and like I, I hesitate to call fangirls crazy. Go listen to our fangirls episode. Yes. This woman I'm about to tell you with is fucking crazy. She lays her newborn child in the <gasps> middle of the street so the tour bus is forced to stop so she can get their autograph. Holy shit. Did you like people like that don't deserve children? I hope someone calls CPS. Yeah, or, you know, whatever the australian equivalent to that is yeah and like that's not just a story i read on the internet that is a story that uh stig's daughter tells in the documentary i watched i don't understand i don't have children but i would not lay them in the middle of the road no um given fangirls a bad name so they have a crazy successful tour australia's in love december 1977 they released their follow-up to Arrival with their fifth album, creatively called ABBA, the album, which is super confusing because they have an album named ABBA, but this is ABBA, the album. Yeah. It's a thing, which coincides with the release of ABBA, the movie. It's like naming Mamas and Papas and then changing it to Papas and Mamas. Yeah. I don't understand. Whatever. Uh, so this album, uh, ABBA, the album, includes the name of the game. And take a chance on me. Mm, take a chance on me. Boom, boom, dun, dun. <laughs> ABBA break. Yes, ABBA break. Uh, which the album does okay, but not as well as Arrival did. Um, they release a third single in kind of a weird way. They re- it's called Eagle. It's not my favorite ABBA song. There's a reason it's not in the musical. It's kind of boring as far as ABBA goes. Yeah. Which they release in Europe and Australia. And... The B-side for Eagle was Thank You for the Music. Oh, that's a good song. And, yeah, it ends up... I don't know what my notes are trying to say here because they make no sense. But basically, that's supposed to be the B-side. Like, it was never intended to be a popular song. They just need to fill some space on the mm-hmm. back of the single. Now no one knows Eagle and everyone knows Thank You for the Music. So yeah. it's become one of the most beloved ABBA songs to ever exist. And it was kind of a... Th- I don't want to call it a throwaway song, but... A throwaway song. Yeah. So by 1978, 
ABBA was one of the biggest bands in the world. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're one of the biggest bands in the world? You make your own recording studio. That's what you do. Um, so they convert a vacant cinema, which sounds like the coolest place to record, into the Polar Music Studio, headed by Stig. Nice. Uh, state-of-the-art studio. It was used by a lot of other bands to come. No, I bet the acoustics were incredible in it. Uh, yeah, it was used for uh, Genesis Duke. Okay. And then Led Zeppelin recorded in through the outdoor. Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Zeppelin recorded in some crazy places. They really did. Vans. Haunted uh, mansions. Abandoned cinemas. All yep. of the above. Um, and things start to fall apart in the band. Not as bad as Mamas and Papas, but like... Yeah. Uh, by January 1979, Bjorn and Agnetta announce that they're getting divorced. And this sends the media into a frenzy. Because immediately they're like, the band's breaking up. Yeah. They can't do this. They can't do this separate. Um, but the band's like, calm the hell down. Mm-hmm. We're not going anywhere. It's just the divorce. It's not going to affect us. We can still work together. Um, but because the media is full of shit, they just attack them about this in every interview that they're in. So, like, it's so bad that Benny and Bjorn secretly, like, jet off to the Bahamas to go write songs for the next album, which if the media was hounding me for my divorce, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, completely. So while they're in the Bahamas, they end up writing what would become the sixth studio album, Voulez-vous, which ends up getting released in April of 1979. The singles that you probably know off of this album are Chikatita, I Have a Dream, Does Your Mother Know, mm. and Angel Eyes. Also in 1979, because money, they released their <laughs> second greatest hits volume, which once again, it's always a sign, has a new hit single or new uh new single to get people to buy the album, Gimme 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 A Man After Midnight. And so things are winding down. They agree to play a North American tour. <laughs> wow. The thing they did not want to do. They just felt like, you know, they just need some petty cash at that point they, to come to the United States. They weren't falling in popularity, but I think tensions in the band were high enough that they... Yeah. They're basically like, if we're going to do this, we need to do this now. Yeah. Because we may not like each other in a year. So in September of 1979... They begin the creatively named ABBA the Tour. ABBA the Tour? In Edmonton, Canada. They played over 30 sold-out dates, including six sold-out nights in Wembley Arena this time. Wow. They have graduated from Royal 